This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 246, recorded on January 28th, 2016. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studio. Here in a actually very beautiful Bellevue, Nebraska, in the 50s, I think, today. But a storm is coming, and we know that because that crazy guy on YouTube comes on and says, Attention, there's a storm for Omaha, Nebraska. That got That happened. And I think we have 9 to 12 inches of snow coming uh, on Tuesday. And uh, maybe not this this the uh, the Armageddon that they had on the East Coast recently, but it's getting ready to snow here in Bellevue. But that won't stop us from podcasting. Of course, we post the show with World Class Show Notes each week out at theaverageguy.tv. Don't forget, you can join us live on our new mobile app. The best way to get that is just homegadgetgeeks.com. Super easy if you want to get it on your phone. We stream that through Spreaker, and we want to thank LastPass for sponsoring that app for us. And uh if you want to get these things on the road, this is the easiest way to get it. Or you can download and listen to it uh, later offline. All that stuff is in the app, homegadgetgeeks.com. Of course, Home Gadget Geeks is a part of the Geeks Network. Find the links to this show and many other great podcasts, including Mike Weeker's very own Open Mic Night uh, is out there. Rich Hay, who was with us last week, he's on uh, the Geeks Network. And there are a bunch of other ones that are just really worth listening to when you head out there. So remember, go to the geeksnetwork.com, including home server show tonight. I feel obligated to say, we're going to talk a little bit about backup and storage. Every time we do that, I, Dave McCabe over at home server show, he dies a little bit. Every time I talk, cause it's a home server show kind of deal. Dave, sorry. He knows we're doing this. He and I talked a little bit earlier today, but it's uh, if you haven't caught home server show, actually the numbers on home server show have been really, really good. And maybe cause we only do it once every month. <laughs> that, maybe that's why. Months. Yeah, or every three months. And so it's, uh, but if you haven't listened to Home Server Show and you're a home gadget, uh, home server, home storage guy, maybe that's one you haven't listened to in a while, head over to homeservershow.com and uh, you want to check that out. Uh, lots of good stuff going on there. And we include some home automation. Uh, these shows blend a little bit because we're all on there um, as well. All right. I, I mentioned Mike Weger and Mike's back tonight. Mike, welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been it's been a fun week. We uh, had a lot of things going on in the podcasting world over here for for my side of things. So it's it's been a lot of fun. It's felt like a long week. I feel like I haven't been on the show in forever, but I know it's only it only has. And then it's been a while since we've had Mike Howard on the program. I'm trying to think back, Mike. When did we when did we last we did have New Year's on? Eve? Did we? Oh wait, wait, sorry, we did. So it yeah. hasn't been too long. It hasn't been that long. Yeah. No. Um, I listened to that show from the airport in Chicago. <laughs> it was a great way to get me through my hour and a half delay. Nicely Loved done. it. Well, of course, yeah. Couldn't have had new, better If you're new to our network, if you're new to uh, to Home Gadget Geeks, so Mike's been a long time. Mike Howard has been a long time. I think since the very beginning, it's been pretty yeah. close, right? I mean, you've been oh, from your show. One. Yes, yeah. I remember when you uh, didn't leave, but you started this show. Right. I was listening to your home server show, and then you started this show. I remember that. I listened. To, I've been listening to this show since number one. So, Dave, so Dave McCabe just hit me on instant on Messenger on uh, on Facebook and said, um, uh, "Unrate and backups, geez, man." So there's the there's the, he's always watching me, but uh, uh, he'll die a little bit inside tonight. But uh, yeah, it's all right. It's okay. We're going to talk about some unrates and backup, and we've got some other things scheduled as well. 
we um let's dig in a little bit mike because this is one of those topics like you you jab me with unraid just about every possible chance you can and we'll be talking about something even on home server show you will we'll be talking about you know hey oh, unraid could do that or unraid could do that let's let's start at the beginning for the average guy when we think about unraid and not a, i'll be honest not a lot of our listeners probably even they those that have followed you have some idea what it is but Let's just kind of get down to the you know, the nuts and bolts. What the hell is Unraid? Can I can I step back a little bit further yeah. than that? <clears throat> so listening to Home Server Show with you guys early on, I can't remember what show number what it was, but it got me started with Home Server, um, the very first version of that. And I love the ability that you could do a bare metal backup and you can do a bare metal restore and all that kind of stuff. Love that. What I really hated about it was I had a lot of um, movies that I had, I was backing up for Blockbuster. Yeah. yeah. If they ever needed those again. <laughs> right. And uh, I had a lot of those. And the way Home Server uh, did that, the way the uh, version one, at least, did, uh, did their protection was they made two copies of it. So now all that data was on there twice. I thought, this is massively wasteful. And I'm having to buy double the disk I want. So there's got to be a better solution. So I found Unraid. And I think I was on Unraid version two or three, something like that. It's over five years ago. And it uses a form, it's software RAID. It uses a form of RAID where you have one parity drive that has to be uh, the biggest or equal to the biggest drive in your array. And then it'll protect, uh, in my case, I have the, the pro version. It'll protect up to 20 drives. So one drive protecting 20 drives. If you lose one drive, uh, then you're okay. If you lose two drives, then you only lose the data on those two drives because it doesn't stripe. It doesn't. Your your files are intact on any one drive, so you don't wouldn't you would never lose the entire array. So I used that for a while to store my movies and some other stuff, and as a secondary backup, uh, I put really cheap hardware on it, really old hardware on it, and the performance was not good. Uh, but I really didn't care. You know, I was getting maybe 30 meg, meg, megabits per second transfer rates. I didn't care because it was an, an old thing. And I almost I almost killed it uh, last year. I think last year I was telling you, Jim, I'm about to get rid of Unraid. Finally going to get rid of Unraid because I had a few problems. One was it was it is Linux based. So installing something like um, CrashPlan on it, you know, they say it's easy after you type in 57 lines of code. <laughs> You know, yeah. that's not easy to yeah. me. Not not your average guy solution. Right. So that was very difficult. And then the other thing is I was having performance issues. And I didn't I didn't right away um say that was the, the hardware because I was well above the specs for the hardware. Um, but it performed, it never crashed. And five years I've been running this thing, not a single crash. And I'm now running it on the exact same hardware my server two thousand uh two thousand eight R2 was running on, which crashed yeah, every few months. This has never crashed. And it runs off a USB stick and it loads it into memory and then it doesn't read it you know, all the time. So you're not going to burn out the USB stick. Um, and upgrading is as easy as just replacing two files. So I have, it, it has been so easy that I have replaced the motherboard, the RAM, the CPU and upgraded the 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 operating system to the next version from like a five to a six and then rebooted and it booted up just fine. Now, I, I don't know any other operating system where you can change all the hardware and in a mix of that, also upgrade the software and there'd be no problems. So, so it's easy. It's easy to use, yep. fairly easy to install from that standpoint. I mean, so in our world, you know, we, we've, 
we used Windows Home Server 2011, 2012, 2012 R2, now Server 16. Um, and that's a little more complicated of a setup. That's not, not that bad. But but why do you lean towards that? I mean, why? What what was the original? Well, the original was you know. that, that that movie storage. And let's also say this is not this does not do backup in and of itself. It is not a full metal backup. It is just a file server, really. So I use it for that purpose. Now, what stopped me from killing it and going the opposite way and killing my two Windows Home servers was version 6. When they upgraded to version 6, they did. And then I upgraded the hardware. I gave it my server, my uh, Windows Home Server software, um, Windows Home Server hardware. And now the performance has been much better. Um, but version 6 added something called Docker. And you might have heard about that recently in the, in the news because I think the guy who invented Docker recently passed away. Um, but Docker's, uh, and I'm not going to describe this properly, and, and I'm not an unrate expert, so don't ask me too many detailed questions. But Docker, if the way I look at it, is almost like a VM for an individual program. So it, they have an image that is crash planned. You basically just double click and say on Docker and, I, and say install crash plan and boom, now you have crash plan running a system. No more of those lines of code or anything. I, I like Linux, but I don't know any of the Linux commands and I don't have to use any of them. Um, so it is, it is fairly, I mean, yeah. you're not a Linux administrator. You're able to set this up. You were able to go and I dropped the link to, this is a Lime technology. So if you go to Lime, L-I-M-E-technology.com. From an average guy standpoint, Mike, I mean, this is something when we think about being able to download software, put it on a USB stick, uh, boot it up. It, I assume it boots to the USB and fires up, and then yep. you can start adding drives. You would, you had been in a Norco box, which is one of those still big, am. gigantic. You still are. Still am, yeah. So you got quite a bit. Let's talk a little bit about. So so talk. Um, we're going to talk about performance here in a second. Ken has a question, but what? So how much? When we think about hardware, how many drives do you have to it, and how much storage do you have total? I have thirty-two terabyte of storage in there right now. And I'm, let's see, I have 17 free, 17 terabyte free. I, I have 11 disk, including, not including the cache. So I, sh I should talk about that in just a second, too. When we get yeah. to performance, I'll talk about cache. Um, I, have, I have slowly been taking out my, I had one terabyte and one and a half terabyte and two terabytes. I've been slowly getting all those out of there and moving to just four terabyte drives and only Hitachi. Um, the Hitachi um, NAS drives. Been going to just those. Um, so, so just yeah. the four terabyte, or you're 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 making your way. I think so, I, have, I have one, four more two terabytes in there. It's even a system like the Drobo, where the in traditional RAID, you know, you try to get all the same size drives and some of those kinds of things. In this case, you're able yeah. to mix and match some of those drives. Yeah, the only thing it cares about is that your parity drive is your largest or equal to your largest drive. Okay. So, so if I have, if I have a, for your four terabyte, the minimum would be a four terabyte drive for your parity. Right. If I wanted to, if I went out and bought a six terabyte and wanted to put it in here, I'd have to put it as, a, as the first six terabyte, I'd have to put it in as a parity drive. Okay. The, 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 also the way that this does it is, so it looks at that, that, 32 terabyte is one massive pool of data. You can see the individual drives, but you create a share. So I have a share called podcast and that's where I put all my podcast files and I have one for photos. That's where I put all my photos. And then it, when you create the share, you tell it 
do you want me to use the cache drive, which we'll talk about in a second? Do you want me to use all the drives that are on there to, to you know, spread files across? Um, how do you want me to do it? Do you want me to go to the, to the drive that has the most free space? Or do you want me to fill up a drive first? Or do you want me to make a high water where you'll bring all of them up to like an even amount of free data? I go with the um, most free. So go to the drive that has the most free first. And and let's talk a little performance from this standpoint. When we think of so, uh, Mike Weger started thinking about what. And Mike, what was the NAS? What did you what did you go with eventually that you're trying? Uh, so I'm building a free NAS box. So I was going to ask you, like, sell me on Unraid compared to free NAS, and any differences there would be. And I guess in going with that, I've had a lot of trouble because the only extra spare machine I have now is 32 bit. So. Um, getting this old un, uh, free NAS to run on sure, there, the old pain and not working point. too well at this so. point. Yeah, because yeah. you have to. Does Unraid work on 32-bit, or does it need to be a 64-bit architecture to make I it think, work? I think version six is the very first one that is 64-bit. Prior to that, it was 32-bit, and I the, you have to check it. There may be a 32-bit version of of uh, Unraid six. I'm not positive about that. Uh, it's okay. the first one. You know, version six is the first one where I've added more than four gig of RAM. Because, you know, once you start running some of these Dockers and that kind of stuff, it, and you can run VMs. I think it uses, um, was it KVM? Was that one of them? Or Zen? Or one of those. I can't remember which one it runs. Yeah, so it, runs it runs yeah. VMs. I'm not going to run a VM on it. I'm, not, I'm just using it for storage. Uh, but for, now, Mike, for, for folks who don't know, talk yeah. a little bit about your podcast and why you have so much to begin with. Because some people are like, come on, dude. Do you really terabyte? need 10 terabytes of storage, you know, from that standpoint? So, Talk about why you do what you do for folks who don't know. Well, first, I, I'm a photographer. Uh, that's my hobby. And I shoot a crap load of photos. And I shoot everything raw. If you're a photographer and you're using the real camera, not your phone, and you should be shooting raw. Um, there's some, some situations where you wouldn't. But I shoot raw. And I keep all my raw images. And those I, sh I can go to a swim meet and shoot 1,000 photos in one swim meet. So I am... If I'm shooting sports, I'm shooting a lot of images. I'm shooting landscape, it's not as much. So I have you know, a couple hundred thousand or more photos all raw. So that uses up a, a crap load of, of storage. For the podcast, we do ours on, on YouTube Live, and we stream 720, but I record 1080p. So I'm recording 1080p. I'm also recording the, the audio as a separate file. And so each, each podcast, I think I added it up. If you add the original plus the edits, it's somewhere between 30 and 40 gig per show. So it, it adds up. Wow. And we're on show number 164. We're behind you. Yeah. But, but yeah. you know, that, that stuff adds up. So that's a lot of data. And I'd like to make sure I have the originals. I don't store movies anymore. I don't, I don't keep that. So that freed up a lot of space. But, you know, you can chew up space pretty fast. Yeah. And, oh, so by the way, all that is backed up with Crash Plan. And so how does the crash plan work on that? How, do they have, does crash plan have a version that'll work on that? It is. Yes. Yeah, I guess it's the Linux version and, you know, using Docker, that thing is built into, to Unraid. They have a, a Docker image for a crash plan and you load that. You're usually just running the, the server portion of Unraid. Uh, it does. I mean, uh, not Unraid is, um, what is it? Crash, crash plan. plan. You run, it has two things. It has the desktop and it has the server portion. So the server portion is the one that does all the work. The, the, the desktop is only the one, where, you know, what you see. So I only run the desktop when I need to log in and see how things are going. So I would, 
boot up the, the desktop and then you use just remote desktop into from another machine into that desktop version of crash plan and, and set everything up. Then I kill the, the desktop version of it and just run the server and it runs just like any other crash plan, just looks for changes and then and it modifies them. So how much are you pushing to crash plan? I have a, a little over 10 terabyte there now. And how long did that take? To it took that? months. Yeah, it took months. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just switched my server from 2011 to the 2012 box, and I didn't. You know, you can transfer on Crash Plan. You can transfer some of those, and I should have done that. Although yes. I was changing some of the file structure, so that kind of would have been messed up, anyways. But and it took it, a full 40 days to get to get all the. So when I moved it from, I had Crash Plan running on Server 2008 R2, and then I moved it to Unraid. And when you adopt it, if you adopt it, even though my file structure wasn't exactly the same, it still does that data du duplication, deduplication, and it doesn't have to re-upload all that stuff. It still took it weeks to, to get all that stuff back in sync, yeah. but I didn't have to re-upload everything. As far as performance goes, yeah. so if you're writing to the array and you've got a decent system like I now have – um, Let's see. I can. I have to tell you what it is. It's 16 gig of RAM, but it doesn't use anywhere near that. But it's an AMD Athlon X4, so four core, 3000. I don't know what gigahertz that is, but it's not a modern CPU. It's it, but it's a decent CPU. If you're writing to the array, then you're going to get somewhere between 25 and 30 megabits a second. So pretty slow, right? Yeah, but with un with Unraid from the beginning, they've had what they call a cache drive. You write to the cache drive, and then you have a mover process that you tell it how often you want it to do it, and it will at those times you tell it to do it, move it off the cache and into the array. The problem with that was if that cache drive goes down, you've lost that data because it's unprotected. Mm -hmm. It's outside the array. What they did with, with with version six is allowed you to add more than one cache drive, and then it would. Um, it would mirror those. So I now have two, four, uh, two terabyte, two, two terabyte drives as my cache drive. So when I write to it, it's writing to both of them. So they're protected. And then I think I have it twice a day go into the array. You could do that with an SSD with a couple SSDs too, right? Where it, from a speed perspective, you get some stripe those SSDs and then, you know, it's your limited, your ca it, it makes your cache drive a little bit smaller, but are you really pushing that much data to it that, or yeah, I don't know would, if it, with, work? I don't know if Unraid you can do you can stripe the you can use you can use SSDs but I don't think think you can put them in a, a RAID array. Okay. okay. Um, even in the and, cache, even for the cache drive. Well, in the cache, I don't think so. I know so in oh. the array. The array okay. right now is not cannot handle SSDs. It only okay. handles Spindle. See, they can't do that. That's maybe for future edition. Uh, I am getting right across my gigabit network when I write into the to the cache drives, which is all, all I do. I don't write straight to the array. I'm getting about 100 megabits a second uh, transfer speed. And is that is that good for you? I mean, are you, you're okay with that, obviously? Yeah, I am not one that's going to say, I think I can get 112. This thing sucks. <laughs> 100 is fine for me. I, you know, most of, most of my transfers back and forth to that thing happen when I'm not even here. Like, I'll record the podcast or, or do my photo editing on my main PC, and then I have a process that every night just sends it over to over there um, to, to, to Unraid. Um, and one of the reasons that I... You remember me talking before about the Mediasonic boxes. I love the mm -hmm. Mediasonic boxes, and I still do. 
but those were only getting connected directly to my machine through USB 3.0, only getting somewhere around 60 to 80 megabits a second. Now that's crazy. I'm getting slower writes to that thing than I'm getting to a machine that's in another part of the house uh, across the network. So now those old MediaSonic boxes are sitting over there connected to Unraid, sitting outside the array because you can have you can have boxes outside the array, and they are backing up some of the data that is on Unraid. So you have another physical location where where it exists in case something happens to the whole array. Well, right? first off, CrashPlan is backing up offsite. Right, but, but this is your local backup. But that local that machine has local storage that's not backed up anywhere. Right. Plus, it has some data that's on my computer. But the data that's on this that machine that's not backed up anywhere, like the podcast files, they're on Unraid and on CrashPlan. So the second local copy of them is on those MediaSonic boxes. Yes. No, that makes sense. Mike Weger, um, you know, when you think about building something like this, you know, you're stuck with that 32, you know, that the, the, right. the 32 bit. You should really look for a really cheap AMD 64 gig because they were doing 64 bit before Intel was. You should be able to pick up a fairly decent board. I mean, in this kind of situation, so I think somebody, you, you got a PC from somebody. Is that case expandable at all? Is Was that a home build or did you get no. a... It's just a standard Dell case. Uh, yeah. So so for that sort of thing, I mean, I, I've got my QNAP sitting over here and I'm getting 272 megabits per second to that. Now, and for me, I only need two drives. So it's kind of perfect for me because I don't have too much data. So I could throw in even, you know, two six terabyte drives and that'd be enough. I have two two terabyte drives in there uh, in, in RAID. So really I only get two terabytes of storage and and that's enough for me so uh, for me i'm kind of thinking about it now like man do i need the extra power consumption do i need really another well, you're not box doing this for backup here. you're doing it for fun oh yeah no it's fun <laughs> oh i i build it and then i just tear it down it's really what i yeah. do except the pf sense box that's a winner uh oh, yes keeping that but yeah. so what kind of speeds are you getting 272 megabits per second across a gigabit network yes that doesn't sound right it it's going at 30 uh 34 megabytes per second. I couldn't, you know, those have always confused me. And yeah. I, I hate, yeah. that's one of those things I've always avoided on the show. It's like, okay, that sounds good. Let's move on. <laughs> Cause it's like, you know, at the end of the day, I, this isn't a, this isn't, we don't go into those kinds of details here yeah. on home gadget. Geeks. I'm, I'm more interested in kind of the average guy stuff for it. Yeah. And so Mike, what it sounds like though, when we think about the setup on this, it's a pretty easy for, even for the average guy with some extra equipment that wanted to give it a run and, and, and try it out. Sounds like a pretty easy solution. You know, this Docker stuff is pretty new. These containerized applications, it's pretty new. It's pretty cool. That's available in version six. It is. And, and, you know, they can do, I'm running just CrashPlan on it, but it can run uh, Plex and a bunch of other things that they have out there that can run. Uh, Jim, one thing, you put my wrong website address there. Oh, did I? JPEG, the number two. Wrong. But it goes JPEG 2, T-O. It goes to the same place. Oh, it does? It? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I tested I must, it because I, I threw it out there and I'm like, oh, is that the right one? It does go. I think you bought both. I must so have, JPEG, yes. JPEG2, the number two, raw.com. Yep. Uh, I, you know, if you want to try this out, they have a free version, which is the three drive. So one parity, two uh, data. The three drive one that's free. I'm using the, the pro version, which I think is like 90 bucks, 99 bucks, whatever it was. Um, so I can have up to 20 or 22 drives, something like that. I don't know if I'll ever get to that many drives. Like the Narco case can handle 20 or 21, but I, I would see me 
getting six terabytes or doing something like that. They are talking about in another release, a new release coming up to have dual parity drives, but they're still debating how to do that. You know, how, what, what's the best way to add a second parity drive? Because if it's just the same data, it doesn't do you any good. So I'm, I'm not quite sure how they're going to manage a second parity, but that's the biggest request. They have a feedback. If you look, if you can't see it, but on what I'm, you manage the, the, the server through a web browser and on there, there's a feedback where you can, you answer a po their poll question on the server and 78% of the people who are answering want dual parity. So I would imagine dual parity is going to come at some point. Did you have a correction there, uh, Mike Weger? Well, Was I just that... didn't know if I said it backwards or not. I meant 34 megabytes per second, 272 megabits per second. I didn't know if I said it backwards, uh, but those are the speeds I'm getting to and, well, uh, I'm getting actually higher from, but that's the two. And that's using that's AFP uh, connection on the Mac, so it's a little bit higher. But it's only, you know, it's only two drives, so it's yeah. not writing across 10 drives. So. <laughs> no, Pull that good. in. No, pretty interesting. I think that's one of those when we think about it, an interesting, like, Unray just doesn't get a ton of traffic. I mean, it's not one of those things. It's a pretty niche piece it in is. the market. I, and I like Mike, like, I think a lot of people who are looking at free NAS or Unray, they, they, you look at both. Uh, the Unray people probably looked at free NAS and free NAS people looked at Unray. And I, if you go right. to the forum, if you go to the forums or either one of them, there's talk about the other one. Okay, yeah, so, so they're both comparable then, because that—that's what I've been doing. I've gone been going back and forth to say, okay, yeah. I'm creating this thing. What do I want to do, and then, you know, because uh, I think Unraid. What's the cost on that once you get past the free trial version? Well, if you go to the the full version, like I have the the pro version, I think it's ninety. It was back when I bought it ninety something dollars, but okay. it's a one time it's a one time price. You know, I bought that right. back in version three, and all the upgrades have been free since then. Good to know. I, you know, what I would do if you're thinking between the two of them is go to FreeNAS and their forums and search Unraid. So okay. the opposite, would be. then go to Unraid's forums and search FreeNAS, and then you we get to see what each one of them think about the other. <laughs> That's true. No, that is probably a good way to. Well, I think I'm going to wait until I have kind of a bigger box with a lot of slots for customization and stuff like that, and throw in um, a different board, uh, just get a little, little more options what i'm doing yeah yeah i think your next upgrade mike is that, you know you get a case that supports you know a, an atx board right. and and then then you've got so you know you got a shell and then you can start kind of working motherboards in there and do kind of different stuff with it that, that'll allow you a little bit more flexibility we have to be careful you're still a law student you're still trying to get through school mm -hmm. and, and it might kill me if i do any more projects that involve any sort of money <laughs> well, this you know, sense box was supposed to be free and it turned into a little bit of cash so we'll see for, for me you know you think well, you run this big norco case and all that that expense i was running a norco case and then a windows some server uh whatever the second version was and a, a, a server 2008 r2 box i was running three servers and now i've gotten rid of the two windows boxes and and put everything into the norco so i've actually have downsized believe yeah. it or not yeah, right. and it, it in some markets, I mean, that can get pretty expensive when you think about running all those hard drives. I mean, hard drives don't take a ton. I think it's, you know, 5 to 10 watts uh, maybe, but stack up 20 in there. True, and, yeah. and you, these can, you can set them to sleep. What I do, I think I have a five-hour inactive sleep um, um, setting, meaning the thing, thing in there being a while I'm here at my computer using it, 
and it spins up, it'll stay spun up for the whole time I'm around using it. But once I go to sleep or go to work, they'll eventually will, will spin down. And I'm looking at it now, and one of them, one of them is spun down. Yeah, right now. Mm -hmm. We were going to show the control panel, but it, it, here in Blab, that doesn't work real well when we use uh, Google Plus Hangouts a little bit better. But um, it, it it is an interesting. It looks nice. It's I've seen it before. We showed it. We didn't. You and I did some unraid work mm -hmm. uh, on some podcast last year, I think. And uh, you can go back and and take a peek at that if you want to see. There's screenshots on the web um, as well, Mike. So you're not doing bare metal because this is you know like when we you know the home server guys. So what are you using for backup on the individual PC basis? All, what I've done now is all my PCs run Crash Plan and they back up to the Crash Plan that's running on Unraid. And, yeah, and that's, that's pretty sweet. That's what I, that's all I'm doing. And then, so it's those files, the copy of those files, they're only on the Unraid server. And they're not going to the cloud. The 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 crash plan backups of the individual PCs to Unraid. The only other place they're on is those MediaSonic boxes. So yeah. that I am copying those with MediaSonic. So I have I do have the original that is the PC itself, the backup on Unraid, and then a backup on those MediaSonic boxes. And so you've purchased the one licensed copy of Crash Plan, the sixty dollars a year. Uh, it's not a year. It's a one-time price. No, it's annual. Is it? Unless oh, well, I'm sorry. It. I'm sorry. I was thinking Unraid. Yeah. Crash Plan, yes. I've only bought okay. the one subscription to Crash Plan. Yeah. Yeah, the one the one PC version of it, right? That, yeah, and, it's one everything. PC. Yeah, no, no. It's, yeah. They, they're okay <laughs> so, with that, by the way. I'm I'm met their, yeah. I met yeah. their engineers, and they're like, yeah, that's we're, we're okay with that. Um, it's, you know, I, I ended up buying the family version of it. I think it's double, so like 150 once well, night. Still very reasonable. Double. Yeah. 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 150 a year, unlimited PCs. And I do the same kind of thing where I'll, because I, I'm, you know, I'm crazy about backups. So I'll back up everything to the cloud to begin mm -hmm. with. So every PC is going to crash plane in the cloud. That's the minimum. Then I'll do some local stuff in case I want to do a local recovery, right? You don't always want to have to pull that stuff down from the cloud. Sure. And so, the home server, the Windows, the 2012 box has crash plan running on it. And I have, I'm moving. And that's the beauty for the average guy. You know, you don't have to push it to the cloud. You can use crash plan for free, install it on several different computers and make a backup PC that all it does is back stuff up. Yeah. Um, and you can push those over to it locally. And as long as those drives stay running, I mean, the chances of you losing both drives at the same time are pretty low or both PCs at the same time are pretty low. But that works out pretty well. If you haven't tried crash plan in a while, it, may, it might be time to take a look. Mike, weaker. Well, yeah, I was going to say, so for me, I kind of do the same thing he does. So I have my NAS unit, the, the QNAP, everything. Well, first of all, every, the first layer of backup for any Apple device should always be Time Machine. It's free. It's there. Might as well use it. So extend a drive off something, or if you want to use your NAS, you can. But I have hard drives, so everything has a Time Machine, but that's an awful form of backup. But if you delete a file, quickly need to rewind half an hour, an hour, a day, a week, a year, and get that file. It's easy to do. And then I just clone all of my machines using Carbon Copy Cloner. It's set to do it automatically every week. Clones an exact bootable copy over to the NAS uh, in the form of a you know an image file. And then so everything's backed up there. So locally, if I ever need to replace a drive that dies, I have it on the NAS. You know, it's, it's right there. And then that entire NAS, so that has all the backups for every computer in the house. That then goes to Amazon S3. So that's always going up. Which uh, I know, Jim, we had talked about this a while ago and, and you had kind of said that Amazon S3 is kind of clunky to use, difficult, slow, um, very true, uh, but, but actually not too bad. When you're just uploading to it, the expensive part gets when you're bringing back down from it. So yeah. if you ever want to do a recovery, that might add a little bit of expense, but um, I'm looking at like $4 a month for uploading 
for backing up. And you got to admit, I mean, I only, only have a one and a half terabytes worth of data. Uh, go, well, I guess, it, no, it's less than that. It's like 700 gigs worth of data I go. Uh, so that QNAP, there's an, actually an app for it, for S3, that makes it super simple. It used to be complicated. I mean, this is just log in, what bin do you want to go to? Go set my schedule. And so that thing goes up to Amazon S3. So for like $4 a month, uh, I'm getting cloud backups of every single one of my computers in the house because I'm kind of doing like Mike Howard does where I just trust one to go to the cloud instead of everything else, it saves a little bit of bandwidth um, on each computer. And uh, cause it's just going locally. Whenever it backs up, it's not going to the cloud. It's just going over to the NAS. So I think it's been working out pretty well, actually. And I still, I've only had to do one recovery from it since. And the image file, I tested it because uh, we've always talked about here, Jim always preaches. And a lot of you guys do is testing your backups to make sure that if it were to go down, how would it back up? Mm -hmm. So I actually had a spare hard drive that I'm going to be putting in my sister-in-law's computer. I was like, hey, this is a this is an empty drive. Let me just test this real quick. Brought down the image from the NAS and, and threw it over there and it worked perfectly. So it seems to be a good solution. I do like that consolidation uh, to one machine going to the cloud instead of multiple. It just makes it a little bit easier, I think, to manage. You know where it also makes it easier? Whenever you go to podcasts and you want to know who is using up all my bandwidth, yes. you know there's only one crash plan to stop. <laughs> right. Well, and in my case, I know that it's it's Monday morning at 1 a.m. So as long as I'm not podcasting from like 1 to 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. or if it's a big backup later in the day on Mondays, yeah. I'm good to go. There's nothing that's going to be taken up bandwidth to the internet, maybe on the local bandwidth, um, but yeah. that's not too congested so what yeah, was the name of that program you said did, you did the um the full metal backup or the clone uh carbon copy cloner it's a mac program so if you have oh. any mac devices you in not. your house uh, carbon uh, copy cloner is definitely the best so i, worth the I money told you don't it. mention any mac stuff around this guy I told and you. i i know i know i just didn't listen i don't like listening <laughs> but yeah, uh, no, apparently, cloner. because all of a sudden everything I've told you, you've gone against. You've yeah. ditched yeah. WordPress. Last night I found out I had to hear it from you on a podcast. You ditched Spreaker. Like, dude, what? What is up? What's what's <laughs> going on over there at the at the Weaker Residence? Yeah, we're we're kind of like the anti uh, podcaster. So we try and podcast. Yeah, we're anti-establishment. We try like if that's the way everyone podcasts, we're going to be different. We're going to something else. So uh, no, it just came down to cost saving for things. And hey, what can I eliminate? Oh, there's only like 20 views. Okay, they can go over and subscribe to the iTunes or other versions. So sorry, the $20 a month is going going away. Well, I, I think on Spreaker, I, I get spoiled on Spreaker because I have the, you know, I got grandfathered into that big gigantic plan. And right. So someday they're going to start charging me. I know they are. And that's like a $100 plan that I'm, wait, that I'm on right now that I don't pay for. Wait, so, the plan, I had that same plan where you have yeah, like so uh, 5,000 hours. Yeah. That's not what everybody gets now? No. Not no. at all. That's because we got the iHeartRadio deal. You're down yeah. to like five hours on the free yeah. version. And oh, if you want to upgrade, it's $20 a month for minimums 20. And then I think it yeah. goes 50. And I think it's like 199. I could be wrong. Wow. But it, it's got 99. But that, that, they have that broadcaster. The one we have is the broadcaster plan, Mike. And it's pretty expensive. Uh, I would never pay for that regularly. It's like $50 a month, I think, for that broadcaster, isn't it? Or even more? It's more like 100 bucks a month. Is it? Okay. Thought, yeah. That, might be, that pretty, might be right. I think it's pretty pricey. But that's one of those things, you know, and as a podcaster, when we talk about technology, that's one of those things I got to be careful of because sometimes I get set up, you know, we'll, we'll meet with a company, we'll talk about it. Mediafire was one of these, you know, they put me on the free plan forever type thing because we had them on the podcast. 
And, um, and then you start talking about it and you realize, Oh, everybody else has to pay, (laughs) you know, and Spreaker is one of those places. And you're like, yeah, I didn't want to pay the 20 bucks. I'm like, pay the 20 bucks. Why didn't you use the free plan? Well, the free plan isn't, you can't, I mean, I I use the free plan at at, uh, SoundCloud, which by the way is even worse. It's only three hours as opposed to maybe the five hours you get on Spreaker. I have to replace those files that are out there to get it done. But it is one of those things I have to remind myself. Oh yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Still, so so I'm on Mediafire for everything. Yeah. But do you still suggest that as a host for, like, say, a, a beginner podcaster? Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Me too. I, I've enjoyed it, and it works out well. You get sure. you get the basic downloads. The one thing I wish is I could just pay them an extra maybe ten, twenty, instead of going all the way to fifty dollars a month for advanced uh, stats. That's the one thing I wish. I've yeah. I've looked into that. Just use the I've, Blueberry plugin for uh, WordPress. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome if it was still on WordPress, wouldn't it? Oh yeah. Oops, yeah. you left WordPress. He knew that, and then, you know, yeah, you're right. I left WordPress. Yep. Yeah. So oh no, and it, it did. It worked perfectly before that. So, um, but yeah, for for three dollars, no, five dollars. It's five dollars a month now. You get a terabyte of storage, a terabyte of bandwidth that rolls over each month. I've accumulated like eighty four terabytes of bandwidth that can be used um in my rollover so for five dollars a month i had the hosting and you still get the download numbers so you know how many have been downloads or or played yeah. so it's, it's good enough and i think actually mediafire may be a good average guy solution when we think about so we don't maybe we don't, we don't want to do unraid or maybe we don't want to buy a qnap or a drobo or a synology maybe we don't want to have a windows home server from that yeah. perspective or free nas right and you want to go straight to the cloud. I mean, crash plan is what we talked about, but you know, uh, crash plan uh, pricing wise, a little bit cheaper, not much, but Mediafire plays into that space as well. They have a client that you can install that'll do backups for you and it'll push it up. Then you get a terabyte of space. Well, it's but a that's just like Dropbox, right? You delete those files on your computer, they're gone from. It's, it's no, that's true. That's right. True. So it's more a little a more like Dropbox instead. Yeah. It's more of a sync than it is a backup. Right. So right. But you could use it as a backup if you just want to push a big image file up there. Now, I don't think the web browser would support that big of an image and it would be a little bit of a pain, but you could technically mm-hmm. use it as a as a backup. And, you know, and some people uh, also use the Amazon. You, if you're an Amazon Prime member, you get unlimited photo storage. Right. And for like 50 bucks a year, you get unlimited any storage. Uh, but its interface is, is awful. It is just awful. Yeah, it's no, it's not great. Um, Mediafire, I have a hundred. My my total available bandwidth, one hundred and seventy seven terabytes. Right, that's what the yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Me, I, I I laugh at I kind of laugh at that when I see it. Sometimes I just go in and check. I'll never use it, but I do. I mean, I get when, when I think about my our, the podcast. So the average guy TV, uh, the the video files for everything we do, both home gadget geeks and for Cyber Frontiers. I should talk about Cyber Frontiers, but um, our, all the video files are out there, and we get hundreds of downloads, both large and small. So it's not like mm-hmm. it's a it's a small deal. We're getting no, it gets hit quite a bit, but they they give you ten terabytes of bandwidth a month. You don't worry that you're gonna wake up one morning and find out they went out of business. No. They're down to one now, Jim. For the for the um, if you pay for the pro version, which is it's five dollars a month for one terabyte of bandwidth. Oh, they they dropped it down to one, huh? Yeah. Well, it's still. Probably I, I believe. I mean that that's okay. that would seem. Yeah. What's well, worth the um, look for? for right. Oh, I mean, definitely worth the look, and especially for five dollars a month compared to like let's say twenty for some of the standard uh, podcast hosting. It's worth a shot for the budget. Mike, we interviewed these guys a year and a half ago, and if you want to, if you're new to the show, just go out to theaverageguy.tv and put Media Fire all one word in the search, and that that one will show up. 
when we interviewed them, you know, they own all their own hardware. They are fairly independent. They've kept their costs fairly reasonable. It's a, it's a small shop. They're in Texas. They got great bandwidth. I no, I don't, I don't worry about them one day um, pulling up stakes. Now at the same time, all my podcast files are still here and Christian yep, yeah, switched over with Maple Grove partners. It is, it is, it would take him, it, it would take me longer to move my files up to Maple Grove partners than for him to switch that over. Now I would have to go back in and reassociate every single post that I've ever done. That's gone to media fire. Now I'd have yes. to go over to Maple Grove partners and that would be a weekend's worth of work. Uh, at least, uh, we, I probably have a hundred videos up there now. I think I started in the, the one, well, maybe not, maybe I've like more like 50 or 60, but still you get pretty quick. I, when I did that switch over, yeah. it's, it's copy paste, copy paste, copy paste, copy paste. Yeah. You're done in an afternoon type <laughs> deal. So, so I don't it's know, but those, that's still a good option. I mean, I like, uh, it's not fast. Uh, we like uploading to media fire is not the speediest thing in the world. They're, that's not what they're designed for. Um, from my professor, it, um, just the other day, he's talking about, he's teaching law office management, right? How to manage an office. And, and one of his things, he, he's like, Oh guys, for backup Dropbox is the best. And you want to have that like tech guy conversation. Like, like, no, it's not backup. Don't tell people this. Like, don't say that. But you know, you, you know what he means in his head, but, uh, it was, yeah, it was one of those moments where Jim was just in my head. Jim's like, that's not backup. Don't, <laughs> don't use it. Yeah, delete a file off of one of the one computer and it deletes off of all of them. That that's that'll work. Yeah, <laughs> I've done it. It's oh, not maybe fun. it was versioned. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yes. And I have a MediaFire account. I think I did it back whenever you know you first talked about this, Jim. I right now I host all my media uh, for the podcast on DreamHost, and I've been thinking about uh, you know I've been doing it for years, but I've been thinking about a, a backup plan backup you know to hey maybe i should spread those out and not have audio i have two video so from show number four we've been audio and dual video video large video small and i thought about maybe i shouldn't have all of them on dream hosts maybe i move one of the videos off so i might give i might give mediafire a, a chance with one of my video files yeah it's it's worth the experiment i mean just just know you're going to get that weird URL. It's going to be mediafire.com slash a whole eight digit number and then slash and then the file structure. So, and, it, and that eight digit number is not the same all the time. So you, it's not like oh, you okay. can go in there and re copy and replace. Full disclosure. I mean, you, you got to be ready for that. I, in my case, my video uploads are a tenth of what my audio are. And so if I need to be down for the weekend to switch that stuff over, it wouldn't be such a big deal. Well, I don't make money for mine, so no one's going to punch me in the face. No, one's yeah. no K. Parker. There, yep. <laughs> Nicely done. That usually only ends up on Ask the Podcast Coach. So yeah, I, I've actually been approached three times for um, people to subscribe you know, to, to advertise on the show, and I've said no all three because I don't want to. I'm beholden to only the fans, yeah. the few that there are. I, I felt like music should have been played behind that. That what you just said as as you're saying no. No, good, good, uh, good deal. We yep. don't, I mean, we don't take a lot of advertising here. I take some, we've had talk.to, I have LastPass that sponsors the the app, but we, we try to keep it fairly, we try to keep it fairly down. Guys, uh, sorry, I'm in, today I'm up against, uh, I'm in a pinch because I'm up against a, another webcast that we're doing here at Gallup and I've got to still drive to work and, and get that done. We still have a few more minutes. I'm going to shift gears a little bit because I found this cool little tool that I just want to talk about called Amara. A-M-E, I'm sorry, A-M-A-R-A. -A. So if you head out to amara.org, 
A-M-A-R-A, open sourced video. This is so, so Mike, you know how we all create um, these YouTube videos and Google tries to caption them, but they don't do a very good job. You ever gone back and looked at your, at the captions, the English captions that it makes automatically? This brings me to a topic that I can talk about afterwards, but go ahead. So well now now I'm kind of interested. Is it is it juicy? Is it gossipy or or what's the okay, let's I'll just say have okay. you heard of, uh you should look up five oh eight and WCAG two point oh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I it's, understand what you're going through. Yes. Yes, but from a closed captioning standpoint. So so uh on your YouTube videos, they try to do that for you. And of course, as podcasters, it's a terrible, it almost never really works. It gets maybe 65 or 70% of the way there, but the, mm-hmm. but the rest of it. And if you ever try to go in there and change those, it's kind of a it's one to do it on YouTube is kind of a pain. Uh two, it it takes a lot of time if you want to do it. I don't know if you get if the average uh podcaster gets that much of a lift. We at Gallup have created some videos that we want to translate into other uh, into other languages. This is where closed captioning can actually be really, really handy. I'm not sure that many English speakers are turning on the English subtitles. Maybe some some of the foreign folks are, but I, I we don't get. I don't think we get that much value out of them. But for us to have them in English and have our customers get them in uh, French or German or Russian, some of those languages, this is really handy. So this Amero, what this is, is an open source platform that allows me to suck the bad translation out of YouTube and they drop it onto their platform. And then I can invite people to come in and make edits and they don't have to do the whole thing. They can do little bits of it at a time and then come back in and save it. Saved on the platform. Amera hosts that file. Not, not really. It's hosting the embedded YouTube file and syncing up all the timing so that those new captions work. Now, when you're done, you don't have to, I, I was I was like, oh, I don't want people to have to come back to YouTube to see my the video to I mean come back to Amira because everybody's going to be on YouTube. So then they allow you to export those translations. So when they're done and checked and verified, and you're like, oh good, I've got the French translation the way I want it now. You can pull that file out and just push it right back into YouTube into there because they accept several standard file and these guys support those file extensions for that. And then boom, you automatically have translations in that language for that video which I thought was really cool. And not that because you could get you could get um, captions or closed captions in another language. We've been doing that for a while. What's cool is this really supports an open or a crowdsourcing model where you could get, I can get people around the world if I ask them, hey, would you spend a little bit of time translating this for me? Some people will do it. I mean, in the, in the, in the spirit of open source and crowdsourcing stuff, there'll be people who do that for us. And get those videos translated. I thought that was pretty cool that, and this is the first one I've seen. I'm sure there's been others like it, but this is the first one I've seen that has really done it and done it well. And it's pretty cool. And a little bit applies to us because we make content. When I think about it, we're making, and the average guy is making more and more YouTube content when we think about it. And if you want that translated, here's a way to to get it done and maybe get a crowdsource. So amara.org, A-M-A-R-A, .org. Check it out. We're going to start using it. Um, I just started assembling a crowdsourced team from Gallup, and I went on Facebook and said, hey, who speaks both English and something else, and can we put teams together that will help me translate these videos? Now, the you'd say, Jim, why would people do that for you, right? Why yes. would they do that for you? Well, the content we create in English, they want in their language because it helps them sell and do their jobs from a, a coaching standpoint. So it's in their best interest to have our English videos 
uh, captioned in in Russian or in French or in German. Now, the the YouTube captioning of it in English is horrible. It's like you yeah. said, fifty six percent accurate. Yeah. So are they having they're listening back to the to the audio of it and creating new transcript in their language. Well, they're gonna we're gonna fix the English too. So this is the thing. Okay. We're gonna, I'm gonna have a team go in and edit the English. That's gonna be pretty fast. Then they can pull up the edited English and translate it while listening. So they'll have both. They'll have the correct okay. English and they'll have the the audio to hear. So, so you want to you want to fix the English first before you start the yeah. the foreign language process? Okay, that's gonna that's gonna be the process. So we'll put a file out. What I'm what I'm gonna do is look for some really good fast editors in English. That that should go pretty fast. And we'll say, okay, go out. And they'll pick pieces, you know, maybe it'll be, I'm going to do the first 10 minutes, I'll do the second 10 minutes, I'll do the third 10 minutes. Below, In this case, we're going to start with 10-minute videos. So, you know, it, maybe two people could have that done in half an hour, probably, mm-hmm. if, they, if they split it up. And, um, and so then when the English is done, then we'll have somebody QA it, check it real quick. Hey, go listen to that video, make sure that's right, right? Everything's done. Then when that's good, then we'll release it to the foreign teams and say, all right, all right, Germany, here you go start and go and then they'll split that up and start doing it and then they'll QA each other to make sure it makes sense we'll get one more reading on it boom the good news is is I can QA the file so before I push it into YouTube I could send it out to our Facebook group and say hey I need a few German speaking people to QA this file can you come here and look at it and turn on the German subtitles and make sure it's right that way because that's always been our concern is when we hire for transcription or when we hire for translation there's such a high expense in QA to get that file checked. Is it, are they saying the right things? If I get three or four people to do it in that language, then I get this, I get a little bit like if they all three agree, yeah, we're pretty darn close, you know, from, from that standpoint and keeps the cost down. So, um, yeah, one of those cool little, again, maybe, maybe this is an average guy kind of technology stuff, but as media creators, I think this is become going to become a big, bigger and bigger deal, Mike, as we think about getting our content as podcasters um, out to or, or captioned in other languages. Yep. All right. Do you like you can just say Mike and you you already addressed both of us? <laughs> I was like, Mike, we're talking about podcasting. Which okay, that still doesn't do both podcasts. It doesn't. It doesn't. So, yeah, we're like, it, eh. no, yeah, we narrowed it down yet. Yeah. It doesn't. Uh, Mike Howard, what's coming up on JPEG to Raw as we think about some of the things you guys are talking about? So uh, let's talk about the next two weeks. We have two big events happening in the next two weeks. First off, we just finished our 2015 Best of 2015 Photo Contest uh, where we gave away over $1,300 worth of, worth of stuff. So big thing there. This next week, we have Meg Byton coming on the show, who is in the photo world, uh, a massive person. She has almost 200,000 Facebook followers, just, you know, lots and lots of fans, has never, ever done an interview. Nice. This will be her first interview ever. And if she publicizes it at all, we will break our live attendance record, of which holds at 252 right now. We will easily break that. Uh, this could be a 500 to 1,000 person night if, wow. if she advertises it. Or more. The following week, we have something that may be even more interesting because I'm not sure if her photography is interesting to you guys. But the following week, we have a guy, Ron Clifford, coming back on a show who just returned from Antarctica. And he's going to talk about his trip to Antarctica and photographing down in Antarctica. Wow. Cool. I have a, a nephew who just got accepted through a military program to be in Antarctica during the summer. And so he's going to be, which is our winter. 
Yeah. He is going to be down. I think this is next year. He's going to be down there uh, doing that as well. So that's kind of cool. No, very cool. Um, and oh, Brian, or, uh, somebody out there said Waffle House like done reservations for Valentine's Day. Yes, we do that every year. What? Um, one unit manager started, or some, I don't know if it was unit managers, one person started at one restaurant and it's exploded. And um, if you go to waffles.com, the list of units, I keyed it in there this past weekend. So until I figure out how I can make that easier, nice. I have a spreadsheet to load it. Um, take your girl, get your girl, take her to Waffle House. <laughs> we have a, a, we, most of those restaurants were, will book solid for that process. That's crazy. Amazing. Uh, the, even the ones, the new ones that you're going to open in Omaha, is that the? Yeah, we really need uh, some up here. So I was going to tell you, what I heard we started the install of broadband, not for the customers, but for oh, the back well, office. We started the broadband we'll install this week, and we should be bringing them to your location soon. When and well, when is Waffle House, House Weekly? Waffle House. When's Waffle House Weekly, the podcast, going to start? I, I heard that was another rumor that I heard that it was. We're, we're a private company and we don't give out that much of our details. So, <laughs> well, I mean, but you could, you gave, I mean, who, everybody wants to hear about Valentine's Day reservations and stuff. I think there could be, there could be taste testing that is done. Like could be. this blueberry waffle is just, uh, and then somebody say, are you serving pancakes? <laughs> well, we're giving away Brooke Pancake. She's a professional golfer. Giving away her her bag. You can go to our website and see you see that we're giving away Brooke Pancake's golf bag. Wait a minute. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> we we are a sponsor of Brooke Pancake. <laughs> Whoever's idea that was, they need to raise. Oh, that's <laughs> genius. That is just genius. Believe, well, it, believe it or not, we were like in the top 10 mentions on Twitter for, like, for 2015 or something like that. The the folklore and the, the, the stuff that goes on around Waffle House is just incredible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, also, if you go, you mentioned Blueberry. If you go to our test kitchen, we have three new products I just added today to the test kitchen survey. Cool. And just WaffleHouse.com? WaffleHouse.com. Yeah. One of them is a Blueberry. Berry, uh, well, a blueberry biscuit. So that's what made me think of that. That sounds pretty good. Well, yes. we're Mike and I are both really excited about the new Omaha stores that are coming shortly. So you know, that's we'll where be the excited. podcast meetup's going to be at the Waffle House. I, that's hey, that that's where the next meetup can be. I, I know. Like so yeah. We're pretty excited, Mike. So thank you for. <laughs> It's never going to happen, is it? I wouldn't say never, but there, there are you know things that know. restrict us. Things from that have to happen. Thing. We're sad. Yeah. We would out. You, I've told you before. We would crush a Waffle House in Omaha. You guys would print money. Just there, print it. There are some. I think maybe Iowa. I can't remember which state. There are several states that have started a Waffle House a, a web page. A, what is it called? A, Fan a page, page on Facebook. Yeah, that is the Bring Waffle House to X. You know, whatever that is. Well, Mike, you and I, Mike Weger, we need to start that. Yeah, maybe we'll start our own Waffle House podcast. Would you shut us down if we started our own Waffle House? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, then we won't we won't start our own unofficial. We'll call it uh, we'll call it the Pancake House. Then there you go. You guys won't let us, and we'll talk. Don't use our block letters. What? Yeah, Uh, Mike Weger. What's what? (laughs) (laughs) Waffle House podcast. <laughs> I oh, can't say too, it without laughing. This is too good. Oh man, this is too good. Uh, Mike Weger, what's going on on uh, Open Mic Night? What do you guys have coming up? 
Oh, man. Well, we're prepping up for the mid-March announcement for Apple. So we've just been slowly covering as those rumors start to come out. All the things that are revolving around the iPad Air 3, the new Apple Watch, and uh, also the rumored of the 4-inch iPhone. The new, you know, we knew the iPhone C. Now they're thinking about coming out with another cheap entry-level phone uh, with new hardware. So talking all about that and anything else that comes up uh, in my head that I like to talk about on the podcast. Yeah, in my world, whatever comes up, we talk about it. Whatever the hell you want. All right, yep. sounds good. Well, we are out here. I think coming up here on Home Gadget Geeks, we've we do. I do have the guy at Ring.com coming, Mike. So I think I have him scheduled for the. That'll um, be a fantastic interview. I'm excited for that one. Yeah, and, and and you know we have it, part of he slept through the first one because he was in London and he had yeah. to get up really early and. Then the second one I had to change around because of because of my schedule. We currently have them scheduled February 18th. So, Mike, see if that date's open for you, Mike okay. Howard. See if that's date. Maybe oh, we can still Howard. get him on with you to talk. And um, either way, share Google Doc with me, and I can put some of my thoughts in there. Yeah. And if I'm not on the show, that you can ask him questions. Yeah. Two weeks. So Nathaniel Lindley's back next week. I'm sure we'll talk about Chromebooks and some stuff that's going on in education. Amber Gott from LastPass is back. Uh, you know, she's having a baby, so I'm catching her right before this all happens. And uh, we're going to get caught up kind of on the merger, what they're, or the acquisition that's going on with uh, Logmean and, and LastPass. So we'll get some information from her there. Chris Barnes is coming back on. If you know Chris from oh, the yeah. End User Podcast, Chris yeah. comes joins me every every early, you know, like January, February. Uh, each year, Chris has got great pipes, so that's a guy that you want to listen to, and and uh, he does some he does some really good podcasting over there at End User Podcasting. So we've got some stuff coming up for you here in the future. We're out here typically Thursday nights, eight p.m. Central, nine Eastern. Out the average guy. TV live a little bit early tonight, and I'm wondering how many people came out. Okay, well, we're not even there yet. I'm wondering how many people are going to show up at eight o'clock. Fortunately, this video will be there for them when they get there. And uh, we want to thank you for coming out tonight. If you caught us on Blab for the first time, head over to theaverageguy.tv slash live if you want to catch this again. Or we've got a lot of great posts out there as well around um, yeah, all the various things that we do and we test and, and we work with. But most of all, we just love having you in the community and love to have you jump in. Join us on the Facebook group. Just go to theaverageguy.tv slash Facebook. Don't forget, we'll thank you for shopping and using the Amazon affiliate link for the Average Guy Tech Scholarship Fund. I did buy... Uh, Kyle, his baby monitor, and then shipped it oh, and nice. arrived yesterday. So he's got this kind of high-tech baby monitor that we'll be working with. Lopta was going to try and build one. And Lopta, I know you're listening. I know you're like three weeks behind. So by the time you hear this, I need the part list from you so we can get yours on order. He was going to kind of build his own. He's been a little busy. They had their baby back in December, uh, the December time frame. I think it was late December, early January. And uh, so, Lopta, I need that. I need that that part list from you. And uh, we'll be back here next Thursday. I'll be in D.C. Monday, Wednesday, or Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Coming back just for the show. And uh, we'll be back, and we'll do it again. And with that, we'll say goodnight, everybody. Hey, a uh, couple Blab-related questions. Yeah, of course. We, we're using. I mean, we're using the heck out of Blab, and you guys are doing such a great job. So. Glad thanks. to see him. Glad thanks for all you do. We've noticed uh, when we produce the videos and they, you know, so we do this live and they show up in certain, you know, the people show up in certain areas. And then the video that gets comes out after the fact, there doesn't seem to be any order to it as far as those those things change. Is there is there a reason for that or does it? Yeah, it's just a technical thing. So the, the order that you show up in right now. Um, doesn't at all dictate how you show up in the replay. It's just around, it's just the data 
each stream is actually being recorded separately. So every single person, it's not recording this as like a whole shot. Everyone's video is streaming in as like a separate uh, piece. And so when it gets reproduced out, none of those pieces are necessarily in the same um, order. They're just all being streamed into one thing. So. And so at some point when you're stitching that all together and making that thing work, it's just put it, does it kind of just put them in random areas or? Yeah, that, it just puts them, just to make sure that it's out there, but it's not yeah. like, uh, they're not ordered. They're not, I, I'm sure we could probably order them so that they are a certain way, but as of right now, um, they're not ordered in any certain way. Yeah, we, yeah. we were talking earlier about configurations when we think of, you know, uh, we, we, someone told us that you guys recently shut off the, the, you know, the ability to put pictures in the chat, which I, I really appreciate, to be honest with you. Uh, we, we, we're the ones that got trolled really hard one night. And it was just like, oh, why? Although it would have been interesting to have that a toggle on and off, you know, to be able to say, hey, I can support this or I don't want to and toggle on and off. Any thoughts? That's on kind of one of our one of our plans. So we're actually working to re-implement it. We're just um, we took it out. So we're like reconfiguring a bunch of things in our system um, and we changed one thing. And now. Um, in order to maintain the picture, like the safety of just the whole thing with like pictures drawn in from other places, especially since we're adding the drop-in media in one of the squares, um, that part of the app is being touched right now. So it'll, being able to put pictures in the chat will probably come back sometime early next week, but it'll be tweaked. Um, so it'll be uh, a little bit better than it was. Cool. Before. And when will we get the drop-in? Are we going to get the, the drop-in stuff at the same time? Um, so yeah, the drop-in stuff is is pretty much good to go. Like it's built on our end. Um, so we're waiting for a few things. We're we're kind of trying to roll out um, everything at once. So as we build this, what happens is we push it to a development um, kind of a development blab. So there's like a whole other blab that we all yeah. use in the office that has different blab features two. and is like yeah. And um, so as we change things with that, and that includes the way we're going to change like what the home screen looks like, so it's more directed towards you, more personalized. Um, you get more of what you want. There's just like features people have been asking for and we're always rolling those things out. Um, and sometimes what happens is things get a little bit bottlenecked. So we'll put in a bunch of new things um, and we can't push it until all of those things are done because like one thing isn't completely finished yet, even though all the other features that people are asking for, it's not that that feature isn't done. It's that something else that we're changing isn't done yet and they all need to go out at once. Um, so for this one, we're waiting. Um, it should be... It should be like any day now. It's like the feature is finished. Um, we're also waiting for um, just a few things to be fixed on the iOS app so that those tuning in from the iOS app also see the drop-in um, so they're not like left out thinking like, what are they all laughing at? Like I can't, <laughs> I can't see what they're talking about. Right. Um, so that's it gets infinitely more complicated, doesn't it? As you add more features and then you, where you and guys used to be able to... And you guys used to be able to deploy very, very quickly, and now it's got to get held up for everything. You know, you need six things now or 10 things to be available, so everybody has a great experience. So Yeah, so we're, um, I mean, that's the reason why we haven't done Android yet. You know, people always ask, and it's not that we're against Android users, we're just, it's another piece to the puzzle, another subset of, you know, bugs to deal with or people to please or things to tweak and change based on the interface. Um, there are a lot of different Android phones, so the experience on Android is going to be different for a lot of people compared to um, the Apple interface, which is pretty much standardized and um, for what a lot of people have right now. Um, but we're still, we're cranking out things pretty fast. Um, and yeah. that's part of the reason why I have such a small team is because like the more people you add, you also add complexity there where it has wow. to go through more channels. So 
We're working yeah. hard to get stuff out quickly. <laughs> no, that's good. You guys are doing a great job. Hannah, uh, Mike had an issue the other day where his video and audio were out of sync for uh, good chunks of the of the of the webcast. And I had a little issue today when I was doing one where I was in sync, but my guest's video and audio was out of sync. Is that while it's being recorded or is it after the fact? Well, well, in my case, let's say it was I was in sync perfectly. She was out of sync from video and audio while we were recording. And, and then I went back and looked at the recorded version, and, and she was still out of sync from that. Out of sync. So it'll assuming that's on whatever's end. rendering and, in real time. Um, and that usually is about a connection lag on their end. So audio will always come through first, which is why we drop video if you have poor internet signal. Um, and studies have shown, like, you can put up with uh, a video not being there. It'd be kind of grainy, but people won't stick around if you, like, ro have robot voice and you can't hear what they're saying. Yeah. So we always drop video first. And sometimes what will happen if you have a slow connection or um, just not very strong connection um, is that video will drop for a second and then pick back up, um, but your audio gets ahead of that. And so it'll be um, a little bit out of sync. And that's usually just like making sure you have the strongest connection possible. If you send us the links to the video, um, especially like, or even just like a link to where it is and we can look it up for like the download email, sometimes we can kind of reprocess it and tweak it a little bit on our end because we have all that raw data just like sitting somewhere. It's like, okay. takes a little bit of time, but sometimes we can reprocess it and fix it if you're doing it for a podcast or for a production or something. Well, that, would, that was my question because mine, while we were live, it was flawless. Nothing was going wrong. It was fantastic. And I went and downloaded the audio and about you know, halfway through, it had like a full five to six second delay between me and my co-host. So we would be talking over each other, over each other and stuff like that. But during the live show, no one had a problem. We were fine. It was uh, crystal clear. So, and yeah, that was the only hiccup I really run into. But so you can request kind of like a reprocess on that. If you send it to um, support at blab.im, uh, we yep. can just look into it. We'll usually send it to someone who's um, working on the back end stuff when we have time, we'll kind of look into it, especially if it's something that you need. Oh yeah. It wasn't like, a, and I didn't bother you guys with it. Cause like, you know, that's, it's just, a, it was probably a connection thing. And so now I just do like a little secondary backup yeah, in case that can, ever happens. Again. We can look yeah, it. It's it was, good for uh, us to know because, um, sometimes it's just nice to look at cause then we can know what more of the use cases are. So sometimes it's connection, especially if it's in like real time, it's not working. Um, but if it was fine in real time and it recorded funny, that may just be like a yeah. processing error or like, you know, while it was processing, something got laggy. And um, so that's kind of cool for us to know so okay. that we can see where we need to put in more precautions. Yeah, so. send it in there. No, good to know. Cool. Hannah, you're the nicest person at Blab Support. I just want to tell you <laughs> that. That's why we I call favorite. you personally. I could have I could have done it any other way, but you've always been super kind to us. No uh, worries. No, I'm glad to I'm glad to hear you guys are enjoying it and that you've like yeah. found a good rhythm. I've seen you I've seen this a few times and your Mac show. Um, yeah. is pretty awesome. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. it's just like falling into a really nice format. seems like you have a good crew here. So we, we like it. One more question for you real quick. How do we get, so on the, on the front page, if you go to blab.im, you guys mm -hmm. are featuring some videos and I've heard a lot of people asking, how is that, how is, how do people get on that, on that very above the fold? How do they get in there? Is it a random decision or? It's a, it's kind of a combination of things. So it's um, everyone sees a different homepage and it's kind of hilarious sometimes. Like we, we were just searching for one from a Blab account um, when we were over here um, around lunchtime and uh, we couldn't even find one. We were looking for it. And it's just because it's based on like what tags. So in the beginning you'll select tags or it's like people that you follow um, and uh, those people will be optimized to be at the top of your list so that when you go 
when you go on to your homepage, it probably looks different from someone else's homepage if you follow different people, if you are selecting different tags, if you're spending a lot of your time watching like audio, like podcasts and business and tech, you'll probably see more of those types of um, type of blabs. And you probably won't see a ton of the like art and music and cooking and whatever shows. Um, and for people who are interested in that, they'll probably see that at the top of their page. Um, and then on top of that, like, you know, sometimes when for logged out users, there are just things that we'll select, maybe it's been a show that's been around for a while, or um, a really like, I don't know, like Tony Robbins was on the other day. And so that has a big following. And so it's kind of nice to just like display like, oh, like, if this is your first time here, and this is someone you want to see, like, we have that displayed. Um, but for the most part, everyone has a different homepage. And it's mostly about who you follow and who you like, are interacting with the most. Okay. So it's not everybody seeing the same. What, you have a record that you can share with us as far as the number of concurrent people connected to a blab watching at one time? A record. Um, I'm trying to think of what our our top record was. Um, so we recently implemented something. We were first having like some really massive blabs, like um, you know, upwards of 500 to 1,000 people trying to connect at once, um, and it's really tough on the system. Mm -hmm. um, and our goal is to have unlimited number of people can watch it anytime. That's like, that's what we're going for here. Um, even though it's all real time, which is kind of a problem that is yet to be solved. Like people are kind of like, oh, it's breaking. And it's like, well, nothing is, no one has ever done that before. No one's ever had anyone can call in at any time and it's all real time for videos. Um, but we just implemented a system that actually does allow an unlimited number of people to watch. Um, so that's pretty cool. And you can watch on Safari. So even though we don't support Safari for actually interacting with it, you can like, when you log in, it doesn't just give you this like blank mess of a page. It's kind of like, okay, you can see what's Good. happening. I noticed that. One of my yeah, viewers really that's liked helpful. that. So. That's helpful. Uh -huh. we, we're doing a show and, and a lot of the listeners are not for, for Gallup where I work. And a lot of the listeners, they, they're not going to hassle with the technology. They don't, they just want to connect and either watch or watch and interact. And so the more you guys support and they can just jump in, regardless of the browser, um, that's really helpful. Yeah, so we're trying, I mean, you know, we get probably like 20 emails a day. We're like, people are like, when are you gonna support Internet Explorer and Safari? And like, I always feel bad because I have to be like, you know, it's not really on us. Like we wish it would too, because that would be better for us, right? The more people that can watch or be involved is great for us. So we're not like leaving them out, um, but they just don't, it's not quite up to date yet. So if you read any of the Safari forums, it's a bunch of people being like trying to figure out when Safari is going to support WebRTC, and we're you know we're kind of pestering them too and watching those forums, so we're hoping for that as well. But for now, at least people can like get some sort of visual rendering, and it's about on Safari it ends up being about like ten seconds behind the actual stream. Um, but if you're just trying to check it out and you're not actually going to call in, that shouldn't matter. Doesn't matter too much. So well, I I'd, I'd like to push and I asked Microsoft. We met with the team and I said to the Edge the Edge browser team and I said you guys just need to hurry up and support. You know, WebRTC from the very beginning because it's it's one of those uh, it's gonna it's just gonna get more and more and more people are using it and yeah, and it's our friends over at now. Zencaster just start they're using it for audio purposes and so it's one of those kinds of things like just hurry up don't worry about IE let's let that die <laughs> let that go away uh, bring it on for Edge and that'd be great so well Hannah thanks I'll let's send you back to dinner That's but thanks fine. for jumping in we appreciate that info I just thought hey we had a few extra minutes and these have been questions I've heard a lot on on blab you know we do a podcast ask the podcast coach on saturday mornings we get these questions all the time so thanks for jumping in and answering yeah no worries if you have any questions feel free to at mention us ping us or send an email and we try to be as like 
transparent as possible with like all yeah. the things that are going on. Um, and I guess the truth of the matter is for a lot of these things is like, we're just working as fast as we can, uh, but it's definitely a hard platform to build. So we're trying to just make it as like painless as possible until we get to that perfect sweet spot for everyone. So. Yeah. Great. Appreciate it, Hannah. Thanks awesome. a ton. Have a good night, guys. All right. Take care. Uh -huh. Thank you, Hannah. All right. Well, we will uh, we'll lock that seat down. We'll start Spreaker. Gosh, that's just fantastic how cool, that support man. works. Yeah. Support, I'm not going to lie. Those guys got it going on. Yeah. Right or wrong? Super responsive. I mean, yeah. that to me, that's super right. important that that they're doing those. I love uh, it. I mean, that that is what kept me on Blab when I was yeah. having that bad experience. Yeah. She came on, she answered the questions, and I'm like, all right, I'll give it one more shot, and it's been and, great. It it's just awesome. Been and you know, there's so. things I disagree with, like the, you know, I didn't like the picture stuff, and you know, whatever. And then you kind of go, but then you get service like that, and you go, that's really cool, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, very, to be very honest, cool. I try to be that way at Gallup. When I mean, I'm trying to take that same approach that I'm available at all times and all places and all, you know, quickly get back to them. And they're always surprised. Our customers are always like, one, they say, do you ever sleep? <laughs> like, you're always available. Well, you're going like, to work much. at 8 o'clock tonight. So, no, you don't. I know. I know. I'll be, I'll be, while this webcast is going on tonight, I'll probably be answering emails of customers. Okay, let's kick this thing off. Here we go.